good song. Is it? Good morning. Good to see each of you here this morning. I want to welcome you to our services. If you're visiting, I want to welcome you and invite you back at any time. Well, we've been announcing it for a few weeks, and uh, this morning we have with us Sam Moore. Sam is our uh, youth intern that's going to be working alongside Dave and, and Chris this summer. And uh, Sam is from Alabama. I think he brought the weather with him. It's, the last couple of days feels like Alabama weather, but uh, we're excited to have him here and uh, glad to see him. He's sitting behind Gary a couple rows back, so uh, get an opportunity to, to meet him today. Or Next week we'll have our potluck. You can definitely get to meet him at that time, but welcome, Sam. It's a reminder to, uh, to pick up a Rome journal. And we've got a lot of upcoming activities this summer. Uh, just take a look at that and just encourage everyone to, to see where you can get involved. You know, we've missed out on uh, the opportunity to fellowship the last couple of years with COVID, so really looking forward to being able to get back in into doing some of those activities. And we've got more things planned uh, coming up, so there'll be um, more about that, um, so stay tuned. This morning we have uh, Casey Baker that will have our reading and prayer. Dickie Parker will be presiding over the table, and Gary Leap will have our closing prayer. As we prepare to uh, enter into our worship services, I'd like to read from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you at this time, Lord, thanking you so much, Father, for the, the beauty of this day. We're so thankful, Father, for your mercies and your grace and the love that you have shown to us, Father, through your son, Jesus. We thank you for him, for his death on the cross, for the hope that we enjoy because of that uh, death, burial, and resurrection. And Father, we thank you for your church here at Rome. We ask your blessings upon each member and just pray you be with our services today, Father, that that we conduct ourselves in a manner that is worthy and in alignment with your word and pray that we focus our efforts on worshiping you, Father, and, and remove all distractions. Father, we're mindful of so many that are unable to be here today that are facing various health issues and, and other things in their life, and we pray for them, pray for healing, and just thankful, Father, that, um, that you're a God that we can approach in prayer, and we know you hear our prayers. Father, just be with us the rest of this um, time here this morning. Watch over us, Father. Help us to uh, be people that look to, uh, to do good in the community, that we can bring more people to know you and, and learn about you and then have the same hope that we, that we have, Father. Father, forgive us when we do fall short and sin against you. It's through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. Please stand for the first song. First hymn this morning, number 19, all hail the power of Jesus' name, number 19. All hail the power of Jesus' name, 
Next hymn this morning, number 438, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. <clears throat> we'll sing the first three verses, and then Brother Casey Baker will have our scripture reading and prayer. This morning's reading comes from John chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. 
All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be as one as we are. They may be one as we are, one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning thankful for the word that you have given us, Father, and thankful for Jesus who spoke the word, Father, for the sacrifice that Jesus made the love he's shown us, Father, and the grace that we receive as a result of that sacrifice. Father, watch over us, keep us safe, protect us as we go throughout our lives, keep us safe from the evil, keep us strong, keep us mindful of the ways in which the world will attack us. Father, we pray for those who are ill, Those who have cancer, other sickness, Father, we pray that you protect them, you restore their health, Father. We pray for those who have fallen away, Father, and we we pray that they remember your word and your love. When we fall short of your grace, of your love, Father, we pray for your forgiveness. We ask for that forgiveness, Father, for none of us deserve the salvation that you offer us. Be with us. Keep us mindful of your commands. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 511. Oft we come together.
Just as the disciples came together in Acts 20 and 7 to break bread on the first day of the week and remember the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, we too come together at this time in our worship service to turn our eyes, our mind's eye back to the cross and remember all that he did for us. To help us do that, I'd like to read from Matthew 26, where the Lord instituted the supper, starting in 26. Matthew 26, 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. When he took the cup, he gave thanks and gave it to them. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is, which is shed for the many for the remissions of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of that fruit of the vine, from now until the, when, the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And as we turn our, our mind's eye back to that cross, remember how Jesus was mocked and beaten as he went to the cross for us. How he hung there on the cross with our sins. You know, he took our sins with him. He told us that he was going to prepare a place for us and if so, he would return for us. And it's through that sacrifice, those sins taken by him, that we have the ability to go to heaven with him. Let us pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and the sacrifice and the love that he had for all of us. And Father, as we partake of this bread, which represents his broken body, Father, we ask that we do it in a manner that's as pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our Father in heaven, as we continue to remember Jesus and the sacrifice that was made, Father, we ask that you bless this fruit of the vine which represents his shed blood that washes away our sins, that you bless it and we take it in a manner that's pleasing to thy sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Concludes the Lord's Supper. Separate and in part, we are commanded to, to lay by and store. In the back of the auditorium, there are two containers that you can place your offerings in. Let us go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all the daily blessings that you bestow upon each of us every single day. Father, we know that all things come from you. And Father, as we return a portion to you, Father, we ask that we have a cheerful and giving heart, that they may be used to strengthen and build your church, that we may be used to bring people to, the, to you through your word. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 234, Higher Ground, 234. This time the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heart I may, in every day, still waiting at my upward ground, Lord, that I be your father ground, Lord, in the Invitation to him this morning will be, will be number 667, Power in the Blood, for the Christian. Good morning. It's good to see each one of you with us this morning. We'll be in uh, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 this morning. Do you remember what it was like the week you were baptized? The week you decided that you were going to give your life over to Christ the excitement and the passion that you had that week, that month, how, however long it lasted. Maybe it's still going. That's amazing, right? Do you remember what that was like? Who, who was preaching when, when that happened? Who were the elders? What, what was the congregation like? What were you doing? Uh, what activities were you caught up in? What was your mindset? Do you remember those, those weeks, those months? right after you were baptized, and the passion that you had. In Hebrews chapter 13, we're, we're finishing it out, I would say next week, but we'll be in Scotland next week, so it'll be two weeks from now. We'll be finishing out this series, I, I think, I hope. Um, but today we're, we're in Revela- or <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13, not skipping Revelation. Hebrews chapter 13, this is where they're at. Uh, they are... They've grown cold. They've grown lukewarm almost, uh, I, I think uh, John would say. And they are struggling. They've, they're going through and, and about to undergo even more significant persecution. This congregation, they are Jewish, and, but they are Christians. 
and so they are struggling. They're, 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 they're on the outside. Um, all their families, they've, they've cut them out. They don't have any support systems anymore. All their friends, that at least their friends that are Jewish, are, are gone now. They've, they've set them aside. They've, it's like they've betrayed them. So all of the support system, all the encouragement that they would normally gather from these systems are gone. And, and they've been gone for quite a while now. And now that the persecution is starting to ramp up, They've had some stuff taking from them, we know that. But they haven't yet resisted to the point of bloodshed. None of them have died for their faith yet, but that's coming. And as they see it coming, they've started to pull back. Have you ever done that? As faith gets more difficult, as the sacrifices that you've made for Christ, as those mount up, have you ever began to pull back? That's, that's what they're doing. It's what this congregation of Hebrew Christians is doing right now. Their faith has cost them so much at this point, And they know, thanks to our author, that it's going to cost them significantly more in the near future. They're pulling back. And they've lost their passion. And so today he's going to try to reignite their passion, which is helpful for us as well, isn't it? Because passion is a hard thing to keep fanned into a flame. Uh, we know from Paul's letters to Timothy, that Timothy, this young man that is a strong Christian, this guy is an evangelist. He is one of Paul's co-workers. But guess what he has problems with? Keeping his passion fanned into a flame. And Paul reminds him, you need to stay on that. We need to stay aware of our passion, our level, our dedication to Christ. It's not just activity, is it? It's not just going to a place and sitting in a spot and, and singing the songs, but it's passion. And if we don't have our passion for Christ, we don't have anything. These people are at risk of giving up everything. Everything that they fought for. Also, everything that Jesus died for. For them, they're at risk of giving up because their passion has lost its fuel. It's dwindled to the point that it's, it's nearly gone now. And so he's going to try to remind them of that week, that month, that year that they were baptized when they came to Christ and the fervor and the passion that they had. They were ready to take over the world just like you were when you were baptized. Do you remember what was possible that week, that month, that year, that decade maybe that you were baptized? Do you remember the fervor and the passion and the excitement that you had? That's what he's trying to rekindle in, in, our, in his readers today. And that's what I'm trying to rekindle in us today. Because passion is something that's so easily lost. But it's something that's so central to us, isn't it? If we lose it, we've lost everything. We can't just go through the motions, can we? Because that's not pleasing to God. And it doesn't matter what you've been through. So many of you have gone through so many dark times, especially... Over the last two or three years, as our society has gone through a dark time, it's just kind of steamrolled so many of us. And you see it in the depression rate, you see it in the suicide rate, in our, in our culture, in our society right now. It's affected the church as well, hasn't it? And so passion is something that we have to regain. Remember what it was like. 
the first week, first month, first year after your baptism and what you thought was possible. Can God do anything? Yes. And back then you thought he could do it through you. I need you to think that still. I need to think that still. But he can change the world with one person. He's done it already. He used 12 people, right, to change the world. He can do it through you too. We just got to regain this passion. They have to regain their passion too. Listen to what he says. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Right? We hear that verse a lot and we kind of we pull it out of its context and we say, well, Jesus Christ, is, he's the same today, yesterday and forever. We understand that verse. You've heard that a lot. But what's he using it to say? It's interesting, right, that he points back to their leaders, the ones who brought them to Christ. He says the ones who taught you the word of God. But what he's really saying is the ones who brought you to faith, you remember them. Like, call them back to mind because they've gone on now to their reward. They're no longer in your midst, which the writer of Hebrews seems to think may be to their benefit, right? Because now these people are among that cloud of witnesses in, in Hebrews chapter 12 that he's referencing. You can go back and you can, you can think about their faith and how dedicated they were and how passionate they were and how they knew that God could conquer all things, that he could do and will do anything through his people. What Paul said in Philippians 4, right? All things are possible through Christ too strengthens me, who gives me the strength to do these things. He's not talking about winning a basketball game or a baseball game, right? He's talking about spiritual things. He's talking about being in the middle of the fight of your life, spiritually speaking. In your darkest moment, you look to Christ to give you that strength, and he does. Passion, right? He's calling to their memories, their, their, their former leaders who have gone on now to the reward, who have died inside of Christ. He's trying to Bring up those memories so that these people will remember exactly what you're thinking about right now. The month, the year that I was baptized, and the passion that I had then. And I think he probably wants them to do exactly what most of us are doing right now. You're comparing the two, aren't you? You're comparing the week's after your baptism to where you're at right now. And you're seeing in your mind's eye the things that have transpired to get you to this spot. The things that have pulled at you and tugged at you and and pulled you away and made you pull back from Christ. He's wanting them to see the exact same thing in the hopes that they will be able to overcome those things. We have to overcome those things, he says, to regain our passion. Don't forget these people and the experiences that you had with Christ under their tutelage. If you thought back then anything was possible with him, as long as you stuck with him, what was he capable of doing? Could he change the world? Absolutely he can, right? Can he give you the strength to talk to your neighbor? Yes. And, and can that neighbor, once they're baptized, become a part of the new movement that God is trying to do in this world and the whole 
area of your world, that whole region of your world, come to Christ? Yes. These things are possible, right? In fact, Paul would say in Romans, he has no further work in this entire region of Asia Minor. It's huge. I mean, it's, an, it's like the United States. It'd be like Paul saying, well, I don't really have any further work in the United States because I've done everything I can do here. And so I'm going to go over to Europe. And instead of Europe, he says Spain. I'm going to go over to Spain because God has so opened doors for me here that everyone has heard. Or they will hear because there are solid churches in this area. And so he's trying to bring to our memories what is God capable of doing in your life and through you. He wants you to regain that passion. Because passion is something that's so easily lost, isn't it? And if we don't fan it back into flame, what happens? It dwindles. And we find ourselves in places that don't help reignite our passion. We find ourselves doing things that don't reignite our passion. We find ourselves doing things instead that maybe make us passionate about something else other than God. Because you're going to be passionate about something, right? Nobody lives their lives ho-hum, not caring about anything, do they? Do we? That's not the way we're wired. We're wired to be enthusiastic about something. And so what are you enthusiastic about? The Hebrew writer, the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to remember once you were passionate about Christ, to regain that connection. Don't lose it. It's so easily lost. This is something that ought to be cherished, that ought to be fanned back into flame. Remember your leaders. Because these guys now have died. They've gone on. And so you have their entire life's work of faith laid out in front of you. You can point back to the moment of their baptism when they were saved, and you can remember the excitement and the enthusiasm that they had, can't you? And you can go back through and you can, you can remember the moment that they started mentoring you and discipling you and how amazing that was, right? And what was God capable of doing at that moment? He could take over the world, right? He could light the whole world on fire. Do you remember that? I think that's what the Hebrew writer is trying to get his readers to see and it's something we need to see as well. Don't lose your passion. Fan it into flame. Because the same Jesus who was effective and powerful and sure back then when you came to Christ. Because you came to him for a reason, right? When you came to him, what was your mindset? What were you thinking when you came to Christ? You must have been thinking he is the only way. He has the words of life. You remember Peter's response in John 6 when so many of Jesus' disciples leave. Jesus looks at his disciples after this tough saying, after this tough teaching. All the disciples, a lot of the disciples have left. Jesus had normally large crowds following him around, but he was always suspicious of crowds because they always wanted something other than to follow. 
And this crowd wanted something other than to follow. They wanted food. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm here to give you something more than food. And so he, he gives them this difficult teaching like that. And so many of them leave. And Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, are you, going to look at, are you guys going to leave too? And Peter has this incredible saying, well, where could we go? You have the words of life. We can't go anywhere else because you're it. And you may offend me. And you, you may say something that's incredibly hard for me to understand or swallow, right? May, you may say some things that are hard for me to take, some things that I don't like at all. It doesn't really matter because you offer eternal life and you're the only one who offers it. Where else could I go? Maybe that's something along the lines that you were thinking when you came to Christ. Maybe you were in awe of his power. Because he changes people, doesn't he? You've got people in your life right now. And if I said, who's someone that God has just, back in the South we would say, gotten a hold of, right? And has changed. He's changed their lives, the way they think, who they are. They're a different person today than they were before they came to know him. Maybe you want in on that. Maybe you wanted in on that. Maybe you were ready for God to transform you in a similar fashion. And so you came to him in the hopes that he could transform you like that. Maybe you were terrified of hell. Condemnation's a real thing, isn't it? We don't get out of this life mocking him and get to enjoy the afterlife, do we? We have to obey his rules. We have to follow. And so maybe you said, I'm coming to Christ because hell is not an option. I will not end up there. And if you've ever walked through Jesus' words about hell, he he says quite a bit about it, actually. One of the things that you're going to walk away from understanding from his words is, you don't want to end up there. At all costs, stay away from this place. And so maybe that's what you were thinking when you came to him originally. You thought, I'm, I know, I'm not ending up there. I'm going to sacrifice whatever it takes to not end up there. The same Jesus that has that power, that made those same promises, the Hebrew writer, via the Holy Spirit, will say, He's the same today, just like he was back then. Do you see the connection? He hasn't changed. All the promises that he offered you back then are just as true today as they were back then. The power that he had back then, he still has that same power today. Right? He's just as sure, just as true, just as good. Just as... A judge, though, as well, right? All these things, if it was true of him then, it's true of him now. He hasn't moved. You moved. That's what he's going to say to the Hebrew audience. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His promises, his goodness, his personality, these things do not change. So why are you treating him differently today than you did the week you were baptized? 
passion. They lost it. We struggle to keep it. We're going to have to get on um, the ball with our passion. Listen to what else he says. Verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart not to be strengthened, or for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. We'll kind of come back to that thought in just a second. But no, notice what he says originally here uh, in verse 9. Don't be led away by all these, these odd teachings about food. Who has odd teachings about food? The Jewish people have odd teachings about food. And that's exactly who he's talking about here. Don't forget that these people are Hebrew Christians. And they are struggling to retain their identity inside of Christ. They're tempted to go back into Judaism. Um, the Jews at this point are not being persecuted. In fact, the Jews are the ones who are persecuting the Christians. It's not the Romans. The Romans aren't, the Christians aren't even on the right Romans' radar at this point in history. But the Jewish people are persecuting and are ostracizing, are making life incredibly difficult for the Christians. And so it's tempting as a Hebrew Christian to go back into Judaism, to accept these laws and these things so that the persecution, the pain stops. How long does it take for a doubt to fester in your mind? If something bad had happened to you as a Hebrew Christian, you came to faith, the Hebrew writer reminds you of your leader's um, their faith and, and, and how you felt the week, month, year after your baptism. And then maybe you start thinking, yeah, about two years later, something significantly awful happened in my life. Where was God when that happened? Does he know? Does he care? Was he watching? Is he in charge? It doesn't take too long for that seed of doubt to start festering in our minds and it starts growing. And what's that doubt do? It starts pushing us away from him, doesn't it? The same stuff's happening in their minds. And they think that the only way to get back, the only way to stop the persecution, as well as to maybe... Get back in God's graces. Maybe he's changed something. Maybe these, maybe you misunderstood and Jesus really isn't the way. Maybe he doesn't have these words of life that Peter was talking about. Maybe I misunderstood. The only way to get back in his good graces would to come back into Judaism. You see that seed of doubt it starts off really small and, and, and really insignificant. And you don't think much about it, right? But it starts growing and growing and growing and growing until finally you think, Why? Why did I think he was special after all? That's exactly what they're thinking. It's a pitfall that we can fall into as well. What's so interesting is what he does here. He talks about the foods. And he says, those things haven't benefited the people who are devoted to them. It's interesting that he uses the word devotion there, isn't it? 
passion, devotion. Those two things go together. He's saying they were devoted to foods. They were passionate about foods. What should you be passionate about? What should you be devoted to? Jesus, right? Listen to what else he says in verse 10. He, talk, he starts talking about this altar. And he says, we have an altar. Christians have an altar. Do you know that you have an altar it's not like the ones that the Jewish people live, or that the Jewish people had. He says that altar, a priest could go over and he could take some of the meat from that sacrifice, and he would he would eat of that stuff of that meat. He says we don't we don't have an altar like that. In fact, our altar, they don't get any benefit from our altar. The Jewish people, it's not just the high priest, it's not just the priest, but the Jewish people don't get any benefit from our altar. Well, why not? Because they haven't obeyed Christ in this manner yet. They haven't been baptized into his blood. They haven't had their sins washed away. Why would you go back into that? You're going back into a burning house. You're going back into something that's gone. God no longer functions in that testament. You're going back into it? It's just complete foolishness. Verse 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So when the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement was burned, a portion of it was taken outside the camp and it was um, burned there so as to get it outside of Israel's camp. This is the um, the unacceptable parts of the sacrifice. When our writer, the Holy Spirit, thinks of this altar, his mind immediately goes to the Day of Atonement and how they brought that sacrifice outside the camp. He says, "You know what? Jesus was brought outside the camp too, wasn't he? And that's where his body was desecrated, huh?" That's interesting. Verse 13. Therefore let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Casey read for you John 17, 10 through 15. It's Jesus' prayer right before uh, the, the crucifixion. That the little bit that Casey read for you this morning is him talking to the Father. And the conversation is all about our mindset, the disciples' mindset, more specifically the Twelve's mindset, minus Judas, who he mentions, calls the son of perdition. He says, they're in the world... That's how we phrase this sometimes, right? They're in the world, but they're not what? Of the world, right? We don't think like the world does. We're different. We have different priorities. We think different things are significant. We prioritize different things. Our minds, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul would say, they are transformed, right? They're not conformed to the image of this world, but they're transformed, into the image of Christ, right? So we think different. We're in the world because physically we have to be here, right? 
Although Peter would say in, in his letters to the churches that we're strangers and aliens. This is not where we belong. Paul says in Philippians that our citizenship is not here, right? This is not where you live. You live mentally. You live up there. Physically, you're restrained here. But this is not where your mindset is. It's different. You're different. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. Because of that, what did Jesus say? How did... How are his disciples going to be treated? Because they're in the world, but not of the world. We're physically restrained here, but we don't look or act or think like this world. So how is this world going to treat us? What's he say in John 17? They're going to hate you. The Hebrew writer says something very similar here in Hebrews chapter 13. We go to him outside the camp. What happened outside the camp? That's where you throw lepers... And that's where you throw people that are despised and rejected. Right? Does that remind you of anything? Do you remember how Isaiah portrays Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53? He was despised and rejected by men. Right? He was thrown outside the camp. His body was desecrated there. We need to get ready and become comfortable with going to him outside the camp. We talked about this a little bit in our our Bible class this morning. We need to get ready and be comfortable being on the outside of our culture. It's coming. It's here, right? You don't have to look around at, at our world very long to see that your values, God's values, his priorities are no longer the standard in our country. They haven't been for quite some time. And it's just becoming more and more poignant. We're in this world, so the things that happen here affect us. But we're not of this world, so we're not hanging on to this stuff. and We don't think like this. Because of that, they're going to hate you. There's nothing you can do about that. You go to him outside the camp and... You bear his reproach. That's what the Hebrew writer says. Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. Get comfortable with that. It's a good thing, right? Peter says that if you suffer as a Christian, you're blessed. Right? If you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, all those things, you're suffering justly. That's good that you're suffering because of that. But if you suffer as a Christian, God blesses that. So we meet Jesus outside the camp and we endure the reproach that he endured because you're different. We don't think like them. We can't. We shouldn't. We're called to something greater, something higher. You adhere to his morals, his values, his agenda. You look at life the way he looks at it. It's special, right? You look at mankind the way he looks at it. We love each other, despite our differences, despite your 
political differences with your, with your neighbor, despite your religious differences with your neighbor, despite whatever differences you have with your neighbor, you love them, right? It's the second commandment. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. So we love God and we sacrifice for him. That's the first commandment, right? Love the Lord God with everything you've got. You can love a lot of different things in our world, can't you? And they're completely fine with that. You love your job? That's amazing. You're, you're setting up yourself for a good retirement. Uh, love what you do. You never work a day in your life, right? We've all heard that. Not untrue, right? Loving your job is something that our culture readily accepts. And if you're good at it and you work a lot at it, they're fine with that. If you're passionate about it, that's awesome. That's fine, right? If you make sacrifices for it, it's fine. All the way up into the point, if you lose your family because of it, you were just working hard, right? What about sports? You love sports, you excel in sports, get a scholarship, you go to the NBA or the MLB and you play professionally, NFL, and you get to play professionally. What do people say about that? Oh, that's awesome. You're so dedicated to your sport. You keep on keeping on, right? Sacrifices, sacrifices, sacrifices. That's something they understand. You start showing that same dedication to Christ and what happens? They don't get it. And you'll find yourself outside the camp bearing the reproach of Christ so fast you won't know what to do with it. Our world doesn't get the sacrifice that we need to make that he calls us to make for him. But you do. At least you better. If you're baptized into him, you should have counted the cost, right? That's what he, that's what he says. If you come to me, you count the cost of following me. And you, as you watch the balance scales, you see the cost of following me is great, but the rewards are so much greater. Like Peter, you have the words of life. Where else can we go? And so you make those sacrifices. You stay passionate. You stay dedicated to him. And we bear the reproach that he bore outside the camp. That's a good thing. But they're not going to ever understand it. Here's why we do that. Verse 14. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. He's already mentioned this idea repeatedly, especially in Hebrews 11. Our minds go back to that as we think about those words. Here's some people who didn't grab a hold of, they didn't fully understand what what all God was going to do with eternity and what happened to them after they died. And this was a fuzzy gray area to them, but they knew the promises, right? And they knew that God was true and that he's faithful, that he follows through on these promises. And he said, you follow me and I'll take care of you. And so what did they do? They followed him and he took care of them. And they were waiting out a city that isn't here. Because what's going to happen to the stuff that's here? 
It's going to rust. Moths are going to eat it. It's going away. Eventually, if it lasts long enough, it'll even be burned up. It's not going to stay here. So why put your hope here? This is no lasting city. We're seeking a home that is to come. Verse 15, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips and that acknowledge his name. And so the only reasonable response to what Christ has done in your life is a sacrifice of praise. It's one of thanksgiving, right? That's tough to do when you're outside the camp bearing the reproach that he bore unless you prepared your mind for it. When Peter uh, was being persecuted, as well as Paul, they would both say, I bear it as a sign of a testament to my faith, as a sign of God's pride in me that he allows me to suffer with him, to suffer like he suffered. That's a badge of honor. And so we meet him outside the camp to bear the reproach that he gladly bore. And the response to that is one of praise, is one of thanksgiving. Because our stuff, our hope is not here. It's there. Right? We're looking forward to that place. We're not so caught up here, but we're looking forward to that place. To an eternity that he's faithful to give us if we followed him. And so this morning, that's the question we throw out to you. Have you counted the cost of following him? It's deep. It's high. And it's worth every sacrifice you make to follow in his footsteps, to bear the reproach that he bore. You put it in the scales and you figure out, what am I going to have to give up to follow him? And you'll find pretty quickly, whatever you have to give up pales in comparison to the blessing that he's going to give to you. This morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, today can be the day when that is set straight and that your sins can be washed away and that you can become a part of His family. Maybe you've already made that decision and you just need the prayers of this congregation to to be who God wants you to be. If we can help in any way this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Calvary's high, there's wonderful power.
Good morning, church family. Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you and everything you do. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder, next Sunday, May 29th, will be our congregational potluck. Uh, We'll have 1 o'clock service. There will be no 6 o'clock service, and everybody's welcome to to enjoy a meal together and fellowship with one another. Also, June 5th through the 9th, which is getting here really fast. I feel the pressure coming on um, for Vacation Bible School. So it's going to be here before we know it. June 5th through the 9th, um, we are needing uh, cookies for that. We are needing three dozen? Three dozen cookies. So, okay, whatever, um, homemade or store-bought, but just, you can bring another dozen for me if you want to bring another dozen. Um, and for Jason, because Jason will love them too. So. Huh? And snickerdoodles. We're taking requests. Raise your hand if you'd like to. Uh... <laughs> oh, man. I love snickerdoodles too. So, um, but, uh, we're, so we're needing cookies for Vacation Bible School. It's always a lot of fun. Um, also, if you're teaching, uh, you're participating in the skits, or uh, however you're involved, all the teacher material is in the fellowship, right in front of the fellowship hall. Um, also, the schedules are out there if you're helping in the kitchen. If you kind of want to know what time everything's going on, all that information is out there in the, uh, in the middle uh, auditorium uh, in front of the fellowship hall. Um, also, we are uh, needing someone to teach Bible Hour for the next quarter. That's through the month of June through August. Um, if you can help out with that, please see Connie as soon as possible, preferably today. Um, also, um, there's been some kind of confusion always every single year. When do the kids move up in the classes? And it's always confusion. Um, do they do it since school's out next week? No, it's June 5th when all the kids will move up to the next class. So please uh, write that down. June 5th is the day for all the kids to switch to their new classes if they are moving up. Also, if you're teaching the next quarter for June through August, um, all your teacher supply stuff is in the teacher conference room. So please pick that up today. Um, also, out in the foyer table, there's a youth, uh, Rome Youth Ministry newsletter, and it has all our Rome activities going on for the next three months for the summertime. So please pick one of these up um, so that way you can plan accordingly. And we have a lot of stuff going on. And as we, uh, as Mike mentioned earlier, we have our new uh, uh, 
our intern, Sam. Uh, Sam, can I get you to stand up so I can embarrass you? Um, this is our, uh, our youth intern, uh, so please take a moment to get to know him, and uh, it's great to have him with us. Thank you, Sam. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep those who are traveling to Scotland uh, this week. Uh, they are leaving the 26th. Uh, Thursday, and they're not coming back till June 2nd. So remember to keep them in your prayers and the work that they're doing and the mission work they're doing in Scotland. Um, remember, continue to keep Charlie Boso in your prayers at this time. Uh, he's struggling. Um, and keep Alice as uh, she takes care of him. So remember to continue, continue to keep that family in your prayers. Roger Pryor still, uh, keep him and Peg in your prayers. Remember, continue to keep Jim Haney and Jennifer Baker in your prayers as well as they undergo their cancer treatments and all their tests um, and keep their family in your prayers. And also Yvonne Cornell, keep her in your prayers. She's having a hard time struggling um, at the new facility she's at. Uh, so keep her in your prayers. Her birthday is the 29th. Her address is out in the foyer board. Send her a card of encouragement. I know she would love to uh, get a, a card shower uh, from the church family here in Rome. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again at 6 o'clock this evening. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 755. We'll sing the first and last verse of When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And then Brother Gary Leap will lead us in prayer. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks with eternal bright with me. Father, we come again thanking you for this uh, morning that we've had uh, to be able to gather here, Father, and, and uh, study your word and hear another lesson. And, and Father, to be reminded of, of the day that, that we was baptized and, and Father, and, and the drive that we had and what motivated us. And, and Father, we pray that you'll help us to, uh, to examine our hearts, Father, to uh, to see if we have that same passion, Father, and, and uh, 
that desire to serve you and and if if we don't then uh, we need father to uh, to try to help us to understand why father we uh, are mindful of those who were mentioned here this morning and and father we pray for uh, Charlie Boso and and Roger Pryor that you'll be with them and and Peggy and and Alice father as uh, as they try to help them and watch over them and give them the strength that they need. And, and Father, we pray that you'll be at Jennifer Baker and Jim Haney as, as they're taking uh, their uh, chemo, Father, that, that that will be a success for them. Bless them, those families. And for all those who were mentioned here this morning, there's uh, many in our bullet, and we just ask that you'll bless them. And, Father, we are thankful to uh, to have our youth uh, intern with us, uh, uh, Sam Moore, and we pray, God, that you'll bless him as, as uh, he works with our youth here this summer, and, and Father, help us to uh, to help him in any, any way that we can, and we pray that uh, much good comes from that. And be with our youth this summer, Father. There's a lot of activities going on, and, and uh, we pray that, that, that you'll be with David and Sam and, and Chris, Father, as they all work together, and, and uh, we have a good summer, and VBS coming up, we pray you'll bless that, and, and uh, bless the teachers and all those who are involved, and watch over those who are going to Scotland, Father, we pray that uh, that you can give them a safe trip, that you will give them a safe trip, and and Father, that uh, souls will be touched, and and uh, we just thank you for uh, for everything that we have, uh, Father, and the way that you blessed us, and uh, help us to always do your will. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.